Welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, psychics, aliens, religion, new age stuff, awakening, ascension, star seeds, channeling, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, and other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. I'd love to give you an invitation to my newest program, The Inpath, an empath's course towards turning inward. My online coaching program is designed to help you heal your wounds, deepen your intuition, overcome your fears, understand your sensitivities, and connect you to the universe. It starts September 6th, Sundays at 10 a.m. CST. It's a three-month program, three weeks each month, with three one-on-one private energy coaching sessions via Zoom. A Facebook community group will be where we have our weekly resources and practices to implement and deepen your learning. For more info, go to thelovelyaliyah.com course. And don't forget to sign up to be a Patreon to get exclusive access to my solo episodes every Thursday and behind the scenes goodies and extras to come. Go to patreon.com slash to sign up. Alex Zeck is a graduate of the United States Military Academy at West Point and is currently a U.S. Army captain. He is a promoter for free and independent thought, medical freedom, unity through spirituality, and natural health. He writes about free will, the law of one, living a healthy life outside of Western medicine, balancing the mind, body, and spirit, childhood trauma healing, and identifying and mitigating the effects of oppressive corporate and governmental systems. Alec and his siblings grew up in a very chaotic and abusive household where he was physically, emotionally, and verbally abused. Feeling worthless, he had no internal self-esteem, so externalized his self-worth in order to feel. Being in a military environment with a rigorous academic schedule gave him the critical thinking skills and discipline structure and time management that he needed, but he hadn't yet healed his trauma and learned to find peace within. After graduating, multiple traumatic events transpired that forced him to turn inward and heal his childhood trauma, and by chance, he discovered the law of one. All of this happening in such a short time frame led him down a rabbit hole of questioning and relearning everything that he had been taught to accept, particularly government, health, medicine, politics, free will, and the nature of reality, to name a few. Through his writing, he encourages others to think beyond what is fed to them. Please welcome Alec to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I am your host, Aaliyah Lovely, and today we are talking to Alec Zek. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> awesome. We're so excited because um, me and Alec are friends, and we've been friends probably about almost a year-ish. Yeah. And a little over a year. Yeah. Right and Alec was the first one that introduced me to the law of one. So <laughs> we opened up a can of worms together and him and his family have kind of been this cool group of community that I've had for some time where I've been able to be as weird as I want. 
<laughs> my family's <laughs> pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> no suppression of ideas. And there was like a lot of free thinking, a lot of debating and things like that. And we went away to Colorado out in the mountains to talk about all the weird spiritual shit that we had been experiencing and things that we were open to. And so it was really great for me to be able to experience that type of community. But you guys don't know him yet. So Alec, would you please introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your background and what you got, what got you to this point? Yeah. So, um, growing up, uh, I know this is going to sound somewhat depressing, but this adds context. So growing up, I was, uh, I grew up in a very chaotic household. I was really physically abused, verbally abused and, uh, emotionally abused by my dad. Um, and then my mom was also extremely codependent. So long story short, I didn't really have much parental guidance aside from the, the strict disciplinary approach from my dad that was very abusive in nature. And it was, uh, basically I was made to believe that I, I am a, like a piece of crap. And, uh, it, I mean, it was, it was, <laughs> that was the big theme in my childhood. And so a lot of, um, adultery, a lot of like affairs that happened. And, mm -hmm. uh, so growing up, I was just in a very chaotic environment. And, uh, when I was in eighth grade, my dad went to rehab for, for a few different things. And I, I was like the man of the house by myself, but my mom was so codependent on my dad and just so focused on trying to help my dad become a better person that she sort of neglected us as kids. Mm. And uh, luckily she's completely changed now and she's acknowledged all that. But basically for that time period, there was a lot of weight on my shoulders to like take care of everything for, for basically an entire year. And I, I felt like crap about myself. I didn't know who I was. There's was all this pressure. There's all this unprocessed trauma. I mean, I like, Anytime anything happened in my household, we just didn't talk about it afterwards, like didn't address it anymore. And even after my dad came from rehab, it was the same way. We didn't really address anything, didn't really talk about anything. But fast forward now to, to today, I've, I've sort of like only within the last three and a half years, we had another incident happen in my house where my dad, we, he, uh, after coming back from rehab the first time, he uh, started to accumulate a lot of money and things started sort of started to spiral again and that um sort of re-triggering of everything that happened when I was younger uh, previous to the first time you went to rehab sort of happened within the last like three and a half years where because I had never healed any of that I was sort of forced to heal it for the first time and up to this point I was I was just a normal Christian but when I say Christian I think of like a typical evangelical Christian who is focused more so on Christianity and the doctrine of Christianity rather than the teaching of Christ, right? Like mm -hmm. not um, very loving in my approach, but at the same time, I always had this weird feeling that there was more to this reality than just Christianity. A lot of, about Christianity didn't make sense. Um, my, my sister touches on that all the time, but anyway, it sort of forced my whole family to, to heal our collective uh, trauma that we have experienced. And in a weird way, all of it came to a head. When my mom experienced the trauma she did, mm -hmm. she went to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist would talk to her for five minutes and she experienced a lot of trauma, right? So you'd expect yeah. some sort of talk therapy, something. So the psychiatrist put my mom on a bunch of different psych meds. Mm -hmm. um, I know Xanax is one of them. I don't remember exactly which other ones, but she was on like on and off multiple psych meds, no tapering in between them, just cold turkey off of one, onto the next one. Mm. And it, yeah, and it really, really messed my mom up. So basically the entire time I was at school, uh, my mom was 
mentally, like she was in and out of uh, mental hospitals, like it'd be good and then also be bad. And when I say bad, like she was, she was basically back in her 13 year old self. There'd be times where I'd be holding my mom and like, she'd be screaming, crying, thinking that I was her dad. And that was, it was, that was another element of trauma. Mm -hmm. And um, luckily in 2016, um, again, right before this whole new family situation started, (laughs) <laughs> my mom found uh, this lady called Dr. Kelly Brogan as sort of a last resort. And so Dr. Kelly Brogan was a psychologist and she's extremely intelligent. She went to Cornell University in New York for medical school. Prior to that, she went to MIT. Um, I want to say for neuro, I forget something, neuroengineering or something like that. Yeah. She's super smart, some weird, yeah. some, some super <laughs> smart, something that sounds really smart, right? And she was previously treating patients as a normal psychologist. Um, she's just like handing out psych meds, right? Like, you know, talking to them for a little bit, but okay, take this psychiatric medication. Okay, this one's been proven safe, take this one. And she sort of sat down after some time and was like, hey, I'm, I'm, not, really, I'm not really healing people pre- prescribing them psych meds. And that's not to say psych meds are all bad, mm-hmm. but she wasn't really healing people um, with her like modes of treatment, right? She was only pre- like really prescribing psych meds to people six to eight years ago I want to say she started doing a more holistic approach and she no longer prescribed psych meds at all at all she like her she's focused on actual trauma healing Mm -hmm. and and nutrition and just a holistic approach to to helping someone Mm -hmm. and so my mom as a last resort found her and she told my mom Allie you're not bipolar you're not this you're not that you don't need those psych meds and again, my mom had been struggling with this multiple, like for, for now, like 12 years, my mom yeah. had commit, tried to commit suicide three times in mental hospitals, like hallucinating everything that I talked about. And my mom, um, found Dr. Kelly Brogan last resort. And within like three months of working with Dr. Brogan, my mom was completely off all psychiatric medications wow. and completely fine, like normal, like no indication that she was messed up whatsoever. So then that, um, happened right after I got married. And then when I got married, my wife, um, I, you've had her on before, pretty mm-hmm. good friends with her as well. My wife's Kylie Zek, uh, for all those listening. Uh, so she, she uh, was diagnosed with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. And when, when she was around 15, and so your ESR is your inflammation levels in your body. So a normal person has in between 22 to 28 for their ESR. So that's the inflammation. It's like a sediment rate in your, in your blood. Um, and my wife's, when she was diagnosed was like 65, which is like the highest level on the chart. Yeah. It's like, she was chronically inflamed as with anyone with autoimmune conditions. Mm -hmm. And she went on multiple, uh, prescription medications. Uh, her rheumatologist had uh, prescribed over multiple years. Um, and she was feeling better. Her ESR is around 45 to 55, but still that's not even close to normal levels. Right again, with, with medications, I mean, you hear it on TV advertisements comes a lot of side effects. Uh, and so my wife started experiencing brain fog, started, uh, having like depression, just a bunch of other things happening that these being on these drugs were causing. And after what happened with my mom, we were like, okay, well, that's crazy that that worked with my mom. I'd never even heard, like, I couldn't conceptualize that this was a thing, right? Like my whole everyone pretty much that I know has this like idea of what medicine and healing and everything is supposed to look like uh, that's that's that we're sort of made to believe growing up in the United States and having this more Easternized approach to medicine. It was something completely new to me. And I was like, what? Like, well, if it worked for my mom, let's just try it for you. Let's see what happens. And then we did. And we, we basically what it consisted of is uh, 
for us, it turned into a lot of meditation, but originally it was strictly diet. Like all we did was change our diet, like very, 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 very specifically follow either a paleo or a whole 30 diet. And, um, my wife, after three to four months of doing this protocol, we tapered her off her medications and she was completely normal. And we were like, huh, let's like, it'd be really cool to get your ESR tested again to see if this actually like had some real effects. Yeah. And sure enough, we go get her ESR tested and her inflammation levels are at like a 24. So we're wow. like, Oh my God, like these were two real examples for me. So that, that sort of adds some context <laughs> to the backstory. Yeah. I know this is super confusing, but um, <laughs> right after that, right? So we're, we're still speaking like normally, my family is seemingly normal. Again, we haven't healed any trauma up to this point, but right after my mom and my wife both had these two huge episodes of healing, we sort of started to question like everything that we were told about uh, health, about uh, what, what, what is healthy food, yeah. Um, about what is the, a healthy way to treat people with medications, about um, a sort of narrative that has be, been created in uh, westernized healthcare um, that is a for-profit healthcare system, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you, you think like, w- everyone always talks about how um, oil and gas, like we'll do anything. We'll go to war for oil and yeah. gas. Everyone says it all the time, right? So as an example, um, and for lobbying in government in 2019, oil and gas industry spent $92 million. Mm. The pharmaceutical industry spent $228 million lobbying in, in government. Um, and you think about that too. They also, I mean, it's, and it's more than just pharma, right? But like, it's, it's also the food industry. There's so many <laughs> things because our country um, is set up in a way where we allow large corporations to lobby and actually heavily influence government policy. Mm-hmm. that it i mean you think it's a it's and it, it's not to say that any any uh pharmaceutical product is bad that's not like it's not all black and white and we'll get right. into that later yeah. like <laughs> like thinking thinking either this or that yeah. um but but there is there is validity in the statement that uh their influence is is causing people to be more sick there's, there's a reason that the United States has some of the worst healthcare outcomes of any industrialized nation. Right. But so th- all that, all that started happening. And I like, basically after that with my wife and my mom, I was so, so convinced that there was more that I needed yeah. to find about, about like Westernized medicine. And, and I just kept digging and digging and digging. But anyway, we hadn't healed any of our trauma up to this point. We were still like Christian, I guess you'd want to say, you know, mm-hmm. and then something happened with, my dad, after he had accumulated a massive amount of wealth after previously like going to rehab and, and being seemingly normal, um, there was a period where he, he was he was seemingly like, okay, you know? Yeah. There, just slowly, as he started making more money between, I want to say 2014, 2017, again, it was also confusing because my mom was extremely sick at this time, but slowly things started to happen. And I sort of had a gut feeling because I remember very vividly how it was when I was younger and I started to have those feelings again it was like mm-hmm. re-triggering emotions you know when you smell something yeah. that you smelled a long time ago it re-triggers yeah. emotions that's yeah that's how it was when with how my dad was behaving like just maybe his energy I didn't know anything about energy at this point but I was like something is off right long story short my dad was having another affair um and it was mm-hmm. it was someone that was uh two years younger than me actually and he's still with her right now but that sort of triggered all of all of the unhealed 
wounds that I had when I was younger, as well as for my sister and my brother. I don't want to speak for them or anything, but yeah. for my whole family, it, it triggered all this in us. My mom and sort of made me put me down this road of questioning, just questioning everything after already have been questioning everything. My whole life was now brought into question, right? Like what, like my whole paradigm was shifted upside down. And I sort of had this thought one day around 2017 that like, um, like that we are all one. And I don't know what, like where it came from, like why it, it, like what it was. And remember when I was younger, I was always questioning reality when I was around like 13 or 14 like I was Christian like I said but never really fully Christian and I sort of just started digging on, on Google on the girl one thing like I like I knew that there was some inherent connection between all people mm-hmm. and all living things and I stumbled upon this thing called the law of one and I was like huh that looks pretty interesting and I found like Edgar Casey channelings and I I'd like started getting interested in channelings and stuff too um, it was basically me starting from like, like the bedrock, right? Like the, like, like ground zero to build up who I was. Cause I was having to reheal all my trauma. Um, like I, I was, I'm in, I'm in the army still right now. I'm getting mm-hmm. out of the army within the next year, but like sort of bringing the question like, okay, is being in the military, the, like the right, or is the military as an organization doing it right? Um, mm-hmm. I can't really touch too much on that because I'm still in, but let you just know yeah. that I started questioning a lot of things and I found, uh, found the law of one. And that was the most life changing book for me, along with doing, uh, working with, uh, Tammy, her name's Tammy Joyce on Instagram. She does narcissistic, uh, trauma healing. So like dealing mm-hmm. with my dad's, my dad's narcissistic and dealing with a narcissist. So I did a lot of healing work with her. And it was like all these things all at once, right? Like the health side, the spiritual side, all happened within the last three and a half years. And I'm sure most of my friends that I talked with for like four years ago, that I haven't really talked with uh, much since. Um, even some of the ones I still talk to probably think I'm pretty crazy now because I'm very outspoken about what I believe in. Mm-hmm. But I have this like inherent gut feeling of what I believe to be true. Um, and you know what though? Like that, another piece of this is like I started two years ago, really going into, okay, this is the only right way. Like, like this is actually what health looks like. Like again, very black and white thinking. Mm -hmm. And now more, like more that I've read the law of one and I've continued to read it. I'm reading, I'm started over uh, again with, uh, I just finished book one and now I'm back on book two. Uh, The more that I realized that from this perspective, from like a a fourth density, fifth density, sixth density, density perspective, there is no right correct Mm -hmm. like everyone is here just to uh, to be a unique manifestation of the creator experiencing himself so I really try to look with people who I like even people like my dad right who I don't agree Mm -hmm. with anything he's done he hasn't acknowledged anything I I try to have a deep understanding of why they are the way that they are Mm -hmm. and try to have a deep understanding of although like it is absolutely valid to say that what they are doing are very evil acts and evil does exist, right? Like that would be service, strict service to self, right? Like the 95% type. And I'm not saying my dad is, but, but evil wait, does wait. exist. Let's back up because some of our listeners, this might be the first episode they're listening to and talking about what is fourth, fifth and sixth density and <laughs> service to self versus service to others. If you haven't listened already, go to episode 
I think it's 13 is where yeah, we're just, talking about the law of one on this ep- on this show. Um, but the law of one is a text that was channeled by Ra, um, a sixth density being, which you'll find out what that is in a second. Um, <laughs> but if you can just kind of like really briefly touch on what that is so the rest of our audience can go with you. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and defer to Aaron on like the, the, specific teaching of the law of one but i will touch like as as far as like what fourth what fifth what sixth is um just know that there's a natural progression of life for for every thing in creation where um right now we on on this planet are third density beings and third density means we have a certain level of self-awareness and to go from third to fourth you go to uh, universal love and acceptance, right? Like to, in order to, to progress to the fourth density. I'll defer to, to Aaron uh, <laughs> on, on the rest so of He's that. talking about Aaron Abke, who did yeah. episodes 36 and 13 with me. Yeah. Where we discussed the first and second books of the law of one. Yeah, and that dude is a genius. He's, he's extremely, <laughs> extremely smart. And he, like, uh, he teaches the law of one in, in such a digestible yes. manner because yeah. raw the, the the entity that is channeled the I mean it's multiple p- beings that are channeled and uh, a unified thought um, are so complex in their approach that you yeah. like sometimes you have to read things like 20 times Ali knows exactly what I'm talking <laughs> well, about. it's like reading a doctorate level dissertation <laughs> it's crazy it is yeah. crazy the language that is used and it's funny like listening to Jim McCarthy, the scribe um, mm-hmm. for the law of one speak. Cause he's like, Carla didn't use that language. Like that is not right. the language that Carla used. Who's the one that was uh, channeling raw. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so service to self versus service to other, right? So the idea is that if we are all unique manifestations of the creator, right? So we all have the creator within us mm-hmm. and there is actually no separateness between each. It's just an illusion. It's just an illusion in this third density, the reality that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, there's like two ways that you can approach that an aware person can approach through free will, um, the, the methods to which, which to serve the creator and the creator mm-hmm. is everything, right? Yeah. You can look at it from a lens of service to other, which means that you recognize that those other beings are not actually other, other is just an illusion. So mm-hmm. when you are actually serving other, when you're doing good for other people, when you're loving other people, you're actually serving yourself in a way that because they are not separate of you, you are one entity, you are serving the creator, which is serving yourself and serving them, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's the loving approach way. And then there's also service to self, which again, if we are all unique manifestations of the creator, I have the creator within me, I am the creator. I look at everyone else as separate, even though they are a part of me and I only serve this aspect of the creator. Mm -hmm. So that's what service to self is. And that's where, what we would call here in this reality, people that commit extremely evil acts are by nature service to self, right? Or Mm -hmm. like, and most people are somewhere in a state of indifference, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But people who have the spiritual knowledge um, and I have my beliefs about uh, just from sitting back um, and observing of who has the ability, like has that spiritual foundational knowledge of like that we are all connected, but chooses to deliberately only serve mm-hmm. the individual self. And you think about that, like throughout history, examples of that would be people who slaughtered, like, like just did some, did horrible things to others 
all yeah. for the sake of their own individual power and what they wanted, right? Yeah. And it's been pretty cool because, because I have seen on the microcosmic level through my family the, how the accumulation of wealth and power, again, on a very small scale, but still dealing with like money enough to influence, yeah. right? On the small scale, how power and influence can allow someone to do things that may be seemingly good from the outside looking in, but are causing massive amounts of harm. Mm -hmm. um, it, it also allowed me to see how someone with, with power and wealth is able to sort of control the narrative on what is said about them. Which is incredibly important when we think about how narratives are set in our society. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think a lot of well-intentioned people uh, get, and I could even fall into this too, that's the beauty about it. One of my favorite quotes is, a wise man knows that he knows nothing. A mm -hmm. stupid man thinks that he knows everything. So I always, when I, when I have dialogue, obviously not on social media, it's so much harder on social media, that's, <laughs> that's a whole other piece of it. But when I have uh, dialogue with someone, I always explain to them, like, here's my take but I could be completely wrong. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the whole thing is that I absolutely could be completely wrong, but this is how I'm choosing to express and how I see things. I think as long as I'm doing it out of a position of love and service to other, in most cases, obviously there's the, the balance, right? Cause you don't yeah. want to be completely service to other cause that's where you end up just letting people take over you. Um, that's what raw for, for the listeners raw talks about uh, like an ideal or an, not an ideal, but um, you want to be at least 51% service to the other and 41 or 49% service to self at least, yeah. right? And your approach of being a service to other uh, being. At the very least, you need to be balanced towards service to self. Yes. 51%. But this is interesting because the idea of like, let's talk about rightness, first of all. Um, mm -hmm. Like a, a discussion of ideas and the way that we discover ideas and how we, we interpret ideas. A lot of us have, especially in this culture, have this uh, um, very you know, urgent sense of need to be right. And so mm -hmm. we do our research, we do, we look at whatever, and then we kind of make a decision. Um, that is the natural process or progress. I personally like the Socratic method where you go around and you debate ideas and you try to look up other ideas that are counter to yours to make a holistic kind of view. However, um, with <clears throat> current things in the news and everything, everything changes really, really fast. And so that narrative of not even the narrative, the, 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 the way that in which information moves, we are in this information age. It is, we, we, we kind of develop this fear of being wrong, which makes us more indignant towards whatever it is that we believe in to be even more right. And the way I describe it is kind of like, you know, when you get lost and you're driving and you start driving faster because mm -hmm. you want to try to make sure you're getting to the right destination. And if you're not, then you, you've gone completely in the wrong side. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of like that where we have such an urgent need to figure out and be right and be on the right side of things that we are almost indignant to see that we might be going the wrong way. And so in that, we are going to kind of like talk about dualism and cancel culture and uh, a lot of like ideas that keep us, I would say keep us stagnant and keep us from being curious into the shared information or shared ideas. So 
to just to speak on Alec as a person, um, like it was really great when I met you because like we were able to just discuss stuff that was so off the wall. What do you think about this? Well, I think that, you know, and be able to have that very open and free discussion with no judgment. And right now in the, in current climate, it's really difficult to have those types of discussions. I was having some discussions about racism with a few people. And I mean, I could vehemently like, be like, I think they're absolutely wrong. I think they're absolutely wrong. However, knowing, and not that this, this podcast is about you guys all looking at the law of one. It's just the philosophy that resonates most with me. Um, but knowing that they're all, we're all one, we're all like one fraction of fractal or perspective of the universe. I, I have to be okay with them having a different perspective. Um, even when that other perspective is incredibly harmful to other people. But when I look at your situation, you could see that your dad was absolutely a catalyst for your own spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. And so those people who kind of come to us and trigger us, who end up being very wrong, and we cannot believe how they think that, end up being people that allow us to, to either deepen our perception of whatever it is that we're discovering and or cause us to block out and guard ourselves from accepting any new information. So I would love to pass that baton to you and have you talk about that. Yeah, there's so many, so many elements to that there, right? Um, so yeah, I think with me, because I had this person that was deliberately controlling the narrative, had never addressed anything that he had done to, to me or my family, was just sort of almost in a delusionary manner, making it seem like we were the ones that were wrong, right? Um, and I think like me being so frustrated, so pissed off about that for so long, it's finally led into for like a change for good, right? Like it's all like you can always let something be a catalyst to, to make you change for the good. Um, and I sort of now look at that as like, he is so set in what he believes about reality and mm -hmm. what he thinks and the, his ways and what he does, uh, even though that they're extremely harmful, that it gets to a point where I'm not going to change him. Mm -hmm. So all of me being angry is only hurting me at this point. It's not going to hurt him. It doesn't matter what like he doesn't care whether I'm angry or not. If anything, he wants me to be angry, you know? Mm -hmm. So me being angry is only hurting me to a point. Um, one of the things that you touched on. So, so dualism, I wrote two separate posts on this um, and I'm sort of going to tie them together. And one of them was like the idea of dualism, which is, I think like when you look at, something as other like it's a us versus them mentality so like liberals versus conservatives or like like so many we are divided and we continue to be divided in so many different ways mm -hmm. and one of the things or one of the many many things that really bothers me about that is when you are so quick to make your identity these um these labels right like being yeah. conservative um then you are so quick to defer to the perceived authority figure on that side of the spectrum uh, for any of the in, like issues that come about um, that that platform may or may not believe in. Mm -hmm. And you are so quick to appeal to that authority rather than think for things yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So um, like I always like to say that my beliefs, um, my platform, so to speak, spans the entire political spectrum because I think politics are just an illusion mm -hmm. and a way to divide us further, like, like identifying with one or the other. Um, again, like I was talking to a few of my friends who are very, very, very liberal. And I was talking to them about their identity and liberalism. Right. And I was like, do you completely identify with every single thing 
on the liberal side of the coin. They're like, no, but no, but I don't identify with that. I'm like, just answer my question. Do you identify with everything on the Democratic Party's platform? And they're like, no. And I was like, okay. So identifying as a liberal is just making it so you defer to that to to the opinion of that side without even having to bring into question some of the misgivings of your own platform that you support. And the same can be said for the other quote side, right? Mm -hmm. So another piece of that is people when they identify with these, they like think of the term the word identity, like who you are to be your core, right? Mm -hmm people that identify with these labels and it goes far beyond politics. It's like, like, like your sports team, what your job is like, there's so many different aspects that you yeah. can identify with. Right. When you make that the, what I call the foundation for your identity, mm -hmm. you leave no room because you have made that your foundation for you to be able to question that part of yourselves or for other people to speak to you and bring into question the validity or some of the aspects of that side, right? Mm -hmm. So for people who don't, haven't really done any introspective work and gotten to the core of who they are, right? Like, like sort of like we are still in the process of doing, or I, I guess I'll speak for myself, I'm still in the <laughs> process of doing, is I am really, again, because I had to start from ground zero, understanding that I inherent, like I deeply believe in what the law of one says not that the law of one is the supreme teaching of everything but what the law of one says is that i'm just a unique aspect of the one creator right and so mm -hmm. i look at others as such too regardless of their beliefs and i wrote a post on how i think at the least no matter what because like i'm not telling everyone they need to go read the law of one at the least though i think it is extremely important to have at least at some of the aspect of your foundation for your identity love, compassion, and understanding. So for some, that may look like the teachings of Muhammad, like for, mm -hmm. some, for, some, for, some, for some people who are Muslim, right? For, for some, that may look like uh, the teachings of Jesus for Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. It's something, and again, there's a, there's a difference, though, between identifying with the religion, mm -hmm. Islam, and identifying with Muhammad's teachings. There's a difference between identifying with Christianity and the doctrine and identifying with Jesus's teachings because both Jesus and Muhammad, whatever else you want to um, have as your foundation, believing in those deeply and having those as your identity uh, or as a foundation for your identity are, they are inherently based in love, compassion, and understanding, right? Yeah. So when you have that base to fall back on, you no longer need to be on like such a malicious attack against like in order to defend what you believe mm -hmm. right because your beliefs you have the understanding that they are not you mm -hmm. like your beliefs are not you it's something that you believe but that is not you to the core of your being I, let's I don't emphasize know if that, that that makes so much sense because we identity is so important for us identity mm -hmm. the way we identify um the pronouns that we use the the race that we are the christian like the religion that we have so to be in that identity, it's almost like, um, you know, you're scrolling through Instagram and if you are a liberal of some sort, anytime you see Trump, it's like, nope, I can't identify with any of these ideas. Um, and I personally think Trump is, uh, I have my opinions. I have my opinions. <laughs> you can say um, that. I mean, I, I probably have the it's same. It's my opinions. show, but <laughs> <laughs> um, as a person, but like, but it's, it's just my opinion. Um, based on what my own projections of 
the, the way that I perceive the world based on my own identity. And so with that, to be able to have discussion, free discussion with people. It's for me, it's very important to be able to have free discussion. I have people on the show all the time that I don't agree with necessarily what it is that they believe, but the whole point of having the show was to have a community where we could discuss things that were not mainstream in order to, to start a conversation because it wasn't so to me, it's not so important to have the identity as much as it's important to learn and grow the way that I think. So for you to say that, like it makes so much sense because we can, we will allow that authority figure to take essentially on our own identity. And then we refer and defer to them for whatever thought it is. And that's where groupthink comes from. That's where this divisiveness comes from. It doesn't allow us to critically think because if we do question something, uh, 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 you're for the other side. And it's like, this doesn't make any sense. Like I should be allowed to question when I was a kid and I was a Christian and I was like, well, when the fuck did the dinosaurs happen? And it was like, you don't have faith. It's like, yeah, that's insane. question, insane. like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like anyway, so keep going. Sorry. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's, it's honestly extremely sad to see. And it, like, again, because I'm still in the army, I, I'm tip, I'm supposed to be a tip or apolitical, like, yes. like not hold a political view. Cause that goes against what the, what the army um, allows us to do, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this idea, I'll just say this, this idea that, again, this goes back to your identity, right? So like, if, if you're a person who is more left leaning, as I am typically more left leaning as well, when you see the other side as like other, right? Like, and you identify so deeply with this side, like, like you said, yeah, it, it allows for everything that the president says everyone will automatically because they are so deeply identifying with this side automatically just like throw away anything that he says as like something that's complete BS, which Mm -hmm. is also not the case. Like even though you completely disagree with him as a person, he still has the ability to do and say things that are important. And then I say this and then it's so funny because we live in such a divisive world. When I say that to someone, when I say, say I'm saying that to a conservative conservatives will be like, exactly right. I'm like, but, but <laughs> also recognize that you would be following the same line of thinking in, in that very narrow view. And everything that he says and does is inherently like the best, like the best thing since sliced bread. Everything that he does <laughs> is perfect, which is also equally not true. Yeah. It's, um, and again, that all goes back to identity. But, but now talking about. You could apply it to anything. Religion. Yeah sports like anything anything like ideal even the idea in spirituality like the way that we talk about new age and how there's going to be a new earth this that and the other and it's like i still question so many of those principles and Same. go back and review like i can go back and listen to podcasts that i've had and i don't disagree with myself but i was like ooh, i've expanded on that view i see mm-hmm. this even deeper or more or maybe like slightly differently so being able to allow free and conscious thought yeah exactly and and i think like when when people really step out of these labels, right? And for everyone, it's going to come about differently. And for some people, they may never step out of these labels. Like I have a lot of people um, in my inbox, like, (laughs) like sort of like digging at me to try to get me to say something. Um, An example of that would be, I had someone who it's like, like this COVID thing, right? Like it, it is, it is fully with it justifiable again, having the framework to understand that there's an industry 
that has a lot of money to be made off of certain treatments and uh, things that they are producing um, in response to COVID-19. It is, there's a, there's a number of things to go into there, but there, there's, okay. there, it is justifiable to sort of question what is going on with COVID-19. When you right. back again, outside of, when you really try to sit back and like, okay, what sounds right? What intuitively feels right here and there? I had, I had someone message me the other day and say, so you're saying that we need to question these scientists. So are you saying Trump is, Trump is correct then? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not either this or that. Yeah. I'm saying he does extremely questionable things just as science that is influenced by an industry that is for profit that makes money off of being people sick also does very questionable things. You're able to question both. You're able to hold both positions. Yeah. Um, and a lot of this uh, sort of goes back to what you touched on a little bit ago is like, like cancel culture. Mm -hmm. And, and I want to say what I, what I call mob mentality, right? Mm -hmm. It's that in, in the media and as, as well as social media propagate this like, like mm -hmm. no other, right? Like they, it's social conditioning. That's, that's what I wrote about the other day is uh, when you are constantly showed um, imagery that corroborates a phrase over and over again, right? Yeah. Like, let's say in, in this case for COVID-19, the new normal, new normal, new normal, new normal, legitimate questions that need to be asked about, about what, like, the second and third order effects of, of, uh, of what's going on with, with COVID-19. But when you are repeatedly showed something over and over and over and over and over again, and then you have phrases to corroborate that, right? It's indoctrination. It's indoctrination, correct. And then people sort of form a mob around that and that mob mentality carries them and they spiral, spiral, spiral to the point that they are more willing to accept things that are in line with that, even if there's a lot of questionable aspects to it, right? And then what makes it even worse is people that sort of fall into that trap of social conditioning they will shame, mock, ridicule, and censor those who don't. Yeah. Um, and that can be applied to anything, right? Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's sort of one of the issues I see now is like, then, it, then people who are justifiably questioning an aspect of, and it can apply to anything, aspect of that are, feel, feel scared to speak up, right? Mm -hmm. um, another example of that would be with, with COVID-19, this doctor from Minnesota um, who, Again, all he was showing was the actual numbers from the CDC, the actual death reporting from the CDC for COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And he was discussing it like a, a few separate times. And now his license, or he's like under an investigation, his license is about to be revoked for the, and he doesn't know why. All he knows, all he was told is, is surrounding COVID-19. When he was using actual CDC data, and discussing it with people to try to bring them out of a position of fear, right? Mm -hmm. Surrounding this narrative. And that's an example of that, right? Like, because we've formed mobs around certain things, people that a doctor that mm -hmm. brings it into question, and then you see, like, everyone sees, like, other doctors who are, like, may or may not be questioning it. I'm not saying everyone has to question it, but the point is, that doctor now is, his career is being threatened because he was just asking questions. Yeah. And so you have other doctors, other healthcare professionals, and I've had a few in my inbox who are like, yeah, I completely agree. Like there's, there's a lot of questionable things about this and it's not this or that. I'm not saying the virus isn't danger, dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, but like, just, on a, just on a, on a theory level, like being able to 
to question things is not encouraged. And so like, and so it being in that space, like, and I always bring it back to a spiritual perspective, but if we're not able to question a lot of those ideals and able to critically think for ourselves, look at the data ourselves, instead of always deferring to someone else, some, someone that we don't even know that we actually trust, but someone that might be in the mainstream, then anything else that we present forward, that's not along with the mainstream is considered conspiracy. And like, there is, there is some element. So, okay. I have some friends who, um, and we all know people like this, who always have to have the counter idea, right? Mm -hmm. Um, there are like, I have a few people like this in my life and I love them to death, but it can be, it's, it's for their own speciality of feeling like they're smart. Like Mm -hmm. I think about things differently and I'm like, good for you. But like, there is, (laughs) there is some, some component of being able to look at something that's presented to you and break it down research on your own and come to an ideal that 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 fits fits that perspective um we also can get very hung up in data and like we look at data look at data look at data and we don't look at people's experiences and we don't look at what people are saying and so we always look to google or we look to something to verify our opinion especially if we're looking for something to back our opinion look i have proof this says this this says that and we don't believe people anymore and mm-hmm. so like, which is difficult. Cause like, say, say it's about the race thing. I am someone, a person of color and have very distinct experiences that other of my friends could not fathom. And they will refer yeah. to references and Google and statistics to say, Hey, <laughs> actually your experience doesn't, this is not real. And then like, and okay, let's take it out of race. Let's take it into spirituality. I see ghosts and hear people and shit and astral travel and leave my body at <laughs> yeah, night. Exactly. People are like, that's absolutely ridiculous. Where's the proof? And I was like, I really can't prove except what I'm experiencing. And people could say very easily, well, you're crazy or or you're weird or whatever. So in all of that, I'm having these experiences. You are having these experiences. We can bring it to any topic. We can talk about COVID. We can talk about religion. We can talk about whatever. But ultimately, if you are always deferring your own opinion and your own conclusion based on someone else's experiences and you're not doing the research yourself, you're falling very, very like dangerous territory of mm-hmm. essentially externalizing or outsourcing your own mind. Yes, exactly. I mean, you're, you're spot on with that. Like, uh, again, that goes back to having a perceived authority figure to look to, right? Like yeah. it's this perception that they are like all high and mighty infallible cannot like be brought into question. Everything that they say is good. Right. right. Um, and that's identifying with that side of the spectrum, whatever side is, you know, again, like, like, like you said, it, it leaves no room for free and critical thought. And what makes it even worse, like I said, is, is this, this sort of narrative control. Like, remember, and this can apply to anything, the oil and gas industry does it, uh, Fox News does it, everyone does it, is, is that they want, they, they sort of drive this narrative through constantly showing you imagery, constantly showing you stuff to back, like words and phrases to back up that imagery, right? Like, like an example of this would be the people who are mad at statues being taken down, uh, the narrative that they rally around and they don't, and like a lot of them haven't even thought about it for themselves. They just defer to their side, right? Is you're erasing history, right? <laughs> when, oh, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that they meet like if someone who is, tends to be more right-leaning and defers to the opinion of other right-leaning people, and this mob mentality, the social conditioning, cons- consistently hearing that same thing over and over again, you sit back and like from someone who like really tries to be objective, like you and I, you sit back and like, 
Is that really racing history though? Like, have you actually thought about what that means to be a racing history? Because that's taking down a statue. This will all still be in history books. Yeah. <laughs> this will all still be access- accessible online. So taking down memory. those statues, that's an example of continually deferring to the opinion of that side. And it's like, it's, it's that, and it, 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 it like, it makes you emotionally have an, be an emotionally charged state. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you like, when you're in a like very emotionally charged state, whether it be fear, anger, um, your ability to critically and sort of step out of your own bias and look at things is decreased by a lot. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I fall prey to that still sometimes, right. When it comes yeah. to certain aspects of, of, I believe in a more Eastern approach to health, you know, and I like defer to that Eastern side and there's times where people will present me with something and I'll automatically like, it, it triggers something with me to be angry, but then I'm like, okay, Woosa. let's look at what they're saying. And some of the times, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Woosa. Like, like, <laughs> like maybe meditate for like 20 minutes, then come back, but, <laughs> but uh, call on my guides. Uh, but I sort of like step back and like, like really try to, from a logical perspective, approach what they're saying. And there may be some truths to what they're saying. Like you al- allow yourself to be open to learning uh, approaches, even to things that you hold like as very, very, dear I won't say so. yeah, very dear to you. Right. Yeah. That, that's an example of that. And I think there, it's there's so many other that- examples. It's so it's it's like for instance you have like some spiritual healer who ends up being this like really amazing healer that helps people in a lot of ways and then they start to get an ego and then something happens that caught like I don't know maybe they uh, I don't know they do something deplorable and then now the theory and or the uh, philosophy that they held is now uh, exempt like it's like no like you can't believe anything that they said <laughs> yes. And which, which like, I can understand why if they did something really deplorable, like Mm -hmm. we have a lot of, um, you know, male spiritual teachers or whatever, end up taking on female students and doing, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So like, those are terrible things. Um, but now we say like none of their theories, none of their things that they come through are, are things that we can agree with and, or listen to Mm -hmm. now I understand why. And like, I'm probably more in the camp of like canceling them altogether. Um, Mm -hmm. but like, if we're going to utilize that's that's kind of an example that would be hard and difficult to look past but like it's a whole baby with the bathwater thing you you still have to make the decision yourself mm-hmm. instead of referring to deferring to someone else to make that decision for you and that's what we're talking about it's not about you know whether or not you're going to believe this person or that person or whatever but ultimately like can you think for yourself like even on this yeah. podcast those of you who follow a lot of the episodes the things that i'm saying are only things that i'm learning at the time but like i am not an infallible being and I can yes. interpret things improperly, but that doesn't mean that there isn't truth in things that I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, I think because of my, my upbringing, um, again, having a, a very abusive, being a very abusive household and having my dad be as bad as he was, I went to, I would say three and a half years ago when this was all re-triggered, I was like, F him, screw him. Like, I want nothing to do with him. Nothing that he does and says is good. But now I'm really able to sit in this position of like, has he done a lot of bad things? Yes. Does he still continue to do bad things? And that's, I'll, I'll get into that. Yes, he does. But I'm now able to look at and now apply this to the, the like the macrocosm, how I look at the world and, and people in that 
even though he has done extremely bad things. Like I, I was diagnosed with complex PTSD, like that, like that level of bad things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still able to look at like, there's some elements of my dad. Like he, I am ex- extremely hardworking. I know how to persevere, persevere through traumatic things. I know how to, I know how to clean very well. Uh, <laughs> There, there is elements of the way that I was brought up that were good, mm-hmm. right? There's elements, there's things that even though he has done a majority of very bad things towards me, there's still elements of good. And now this is why I don't like cancel culture. This idea that because of what, like we're all, we're all human beings, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes that are perceived as extremely bad. And again, like, touching into someone who's like killed multiple people and continues to kill multiple people or raped like multiple people continue to rape multiple people. That's a whole different story. Cause what, where I sort of look at each individual issue again, like thinking for myself on the idea of cancel culture is if they continue to do those behaviors after they have been called out or like say something like happened eight years ago, but since then they have changed their behavior then I am more willing to accept that they made a mistake and we shouldn't cancel out everything else that they're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's when they don't make amends or they don't uh, mitigate the effects or they don't. Of their um, actions. Yes. Yes. It's when they don't look within themselves and be like, I messed up and change their ways that I have a problem with it. And I agree with to an extent quote canceling them. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if someone like continues to do things that are causing harm, infringing upon the free will of another person is what I like to say. Mm-hmm. When you're infringing upon the free will of another person, you continually do that. Then I have a problem with you. Then I like the idea of cancel culture, but yeah. cancel culture and today has gone far beyond that. Right. Like it's, there's such a, a high level of polarity And like, if we're going to speak on this, I know I watched something that Alan Watts was talking about where he says duality is unity. Um, Because in the the essence of having an existence, uh, there's always going to be some type of polarity. There's always going to be further, like someone more towards service to others versus service to self. And so when that person is in service to self and they're they're causing a lot of actions that can can hurt other, and harm other people and they're not mitigating those responses canceled their ass that's where i'm at um <laughs> but exactly. um, you know besides that to get deeper back into the dualistic uh aspect is that dualism i believe personally keeps us from being able to think for ourselves because we cannot find that there are there are spectrums or gray areas or that there are um, there's any flexibility and what it is that we're able to to do this versus that, and so it doesn't it doesn't give us the it doesn't give us the rainbow, you know, like we all aspects of whatever that means, and so we lose a lot of information, we lose a lot of different ways of thought um, when we only have two ways, this or that, and so I guess like the point of of, of this, you know, even is, is to be able to allow people within their, their political views, within their religion, their spirituality, within even their selves and their identity, that it doesn't have to be this or that, that there is a spectrum that we can, we can delineate truth and perspective from even people that we disagree with um, and, and add that to our perspective because there's wealth of knowledge that comes from the diversity in our views and the diversity in our perspectives. 
Yeah. Um, you said that so well. <laughs> um, and again, that can, that can also apply to like, like pretty much anything. Like I think of that in the lens of my experience with my parents or with my mom and my, my wife, right? Like seeing what happened with them at the hands of the West, the pharmaceutical industry saturated westernized healthcare system mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um again previously when i had those two examples to myself that were that hit close to home my mom almost died my wife was extremely sick mm -hmm. i originally was like all right everything even up till lately almost i was like all right everything that the pharmaceutical industry does was bad and then i had another person message me it's actually kylie's cousin and she's an, an amazing person and she texted me and she was like hey i just want to let you know I work for this pharmaceutical company, this, 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 and this, and like sent me a bunch of data that they had, like information on their products. Um, and again, they're a smaller pharmaceutical company, but she's like, it's not all bad. I'm like, you know what? You're absolutely right. It's not all bad. Mm -hmm. And I'm more leaning towards it all being bad. Mm -hmm. um, but the same can be said for the other side of the spectrum, right? Like there's people- it's not all bad either. Yeah, there's people who absolutely shame and ridicule and mock uh, some of the uh, touchier aspects of, of my beliefs based on my what I have seen personally mm -hmm. and based on research that I've done. And it's, it's this idea that like, it's almost gaslighting the experience of the individual, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important for each of us to understand while you may disagree with the things and um, things that someone believes, the things that they do, first off, is if they're not infringing upon your free will, it shouldn't matter to you that much. Mm -hmm. And that's, that goes back to if you have an identity in something that is grounded in love, compassion, and understanding, you will understand that. Yeah. You'll understand that they're not attacking you. They may just disagree with your beliefs and that's okay. And like allowing people to have opposing beliefs as you and still have a valid experience that's completely opposite to yours. Cause I know people who have messaged me and it's like, Hey, my mom taking this medication saved your life. And I'm like, that's very valid. That's mm -hmm. absolutely valid. Um, just as valid as my experience. And that's where there's a lot of gray area in between. And when you allow room for gray area, you allow room to reconcile and sort of come to either an agree to disagree or to see aspects that are conflicting with each other and see how, oh, I see how you could be right there. I've never thought of it that way. Oh, you, when you allow room for gray area and you allow room for opposing perspectives, uh, this outside of this hyper-dualistic nature that we're in now, you are able to find common ground with people and realize that most of us all want the same thing, right? Yeah. We want to like love the people around us. We want to feel safe. We want to have access to food, to, to water and shelter. And we want to uh, be content in, in, in our life. And because we are unique manifestations of the creator experiencing itself through free will, that's going to come about in different ways. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's allowing those, those other areas that you may not agree with to exist and that's where I kind of like this idea of free will. Um, it's sort of a libertarianistic view mm -hmm. is that like, I will not infringe upon your free will either negligently or intentionally. 
as long as you do not infringe upon my free will. And in that we can have completely different methods and beliefs mm-hmm. about our own individual lives and our family's lives, but still coexist. Yeah. Gosh, that's that so makes- important. Mm-hmm. That's so important. And I think like, um, the, the biggest takeaway is, is like, especially with what's going on right now, that the hyper to pay attention to when you find yourself in this hyper dualistic polarized type of reaction. A lot of times we respond with trigger and with anxiousness and like, I can't believe that they think that. And which I have been there and I am still there a lot of times. Um, but the aspect of discovery of looking in and saying like, you know, I want to know, like, at least that's how I live my life. I want to know what someone's opposing view is because I would be interested to see how it has me reflect on my own views. Will it push me towards a different direction? I'm not so like clutched to whatever it is that I believe that I'm willing to overlook other truths that could actually help me discover deeper what it is. But some people are, some people are like, this is my identity. This is my foundation. This is who (laughs) I am. You're not going to tell me anything different. And I don't want to know. I don't want to believe. I was watching something on TV where, um, you know, I don't know, one of these comedy shows is probably like Trevor Noah or I don't know, one of those. And, um, and there was someone who was like, um, do you have any, I think they were like, asking something political do you have any proof or whatever and this woman was like i don't have any proof and i don't have anything that says anything different but this is what i think and i'm, I'm sticking to it and i'm not going to research anything and i was like <laughs> you're an idiot um <laughs> but like that 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 ideal like what for my judgment towards that person was that you have zero intention of ever discovering anything besides your own bias of what you would like to believe because it's easier and to me it's lazy to be that way it's like the work is already done for me. I don't want to have to rethink about anything. I'm I'm sticking to my guns because this is this is all that there is. And and I always encourage my listeners and people that I know and even myself to to try to give myself even even if it's something I like uh-uh there's no way that I believe in that. I will listen to people and hear their perspective and see and try to like what you said from a place of love and compassion Uh, that foundation and understanding and say, okay, I see this person as another version of me and another part portion of me, someone who on the other side of being able to distinguish this polarity, polarity is what causes growth in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. Because without polarity, without catalysts, we don't have anything to cause us to grow. So if we were all the same, there would be nothing, you know, we'd be all like, how boring would that be? It'd be super boring, but it also wouldn't allow us to grow. And so the same way that catalysts come in our life that cause contrast, we have people in our life and thoughts and beliefs that cause contrast as well, that allow us to deepen our thinking or expand our thinking and or close our thinking. So I think that that's a very important point, especially on a spiritual show, because like you guys, like we're all, all trying to discover what the truth is, what it looks like to expand, what it means to have truth. What is truth? Is truth absolute? Is truth flexible? Is truth pers- like based on your experience or perspective or not? And giving us an aspect to question. Like yeah. the questions are so important. And I, one of my favorite, like one of my favorite, uh, I don't remember what session this is from in, in the raw material and in, in the law of one. Um, but it's Don is asking Ra, uh, like how a fully balanced individual, like chakras fully, fully balanced and, and in this third density plane, right? Mm -hmm. How they would respond to someone who is like 
aggressively attacking them, like let's say beating the crap out of them, something or something that is very bad, right? How a fully balanced individual would respond. And what Ross says is basically a fully balanced individual would like inherently respond with love. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, that is, um, again, that's a fully balanced individual because I still struggle with that, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of people like, uh, even even those that are seekers that are seeking uh, some other aspects of reality that are s- spiritual in nature, right? Struggle with that. Um, and that's just part of the human experience is, and I'm, I'm really learning to do that is when, because I, again, because I have very isolating beliefs inherently just by virtue of me being a free thinker, mm-hmm. um, me calling out and and not agreeing with either side of the political spectrum like my again my beliefs span mm-hmm. across it um is that i get people on each side sort of maliciously attacking me and like like i'm talking like like someone for example because my mom speaks the same way that i do someone called my mom the other day and it was like a like a prank phone call and it was like you you didn't kill yourself correctly like 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 you should have fucking mm-hmm. died blah, blah 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 and then That's hung horrible. up um yeah. And I don't get it as bad as my mom does. She has a lot bigger following than me because I just speak out, just started speaking out. But the point is that like, even though you are being attacked for the things you believe in, um, again, being able to foundationally have to fall back on love, compassion and understanding. It's the, the ability to still have, again, process the anger that comes with, with something like that, right? Like, cause it's okay to be angry. Um, but process that anger, process that frustration that you feel when someone is like that towards you and then being able to fall back on as a foundation for your identity, love, compassion, and understanding. You can look at that person and be like, Hey, like something has led them to be that way. Mm -hmm. Right. Some experience something. Maybe they haven't done introspective work at all. Maybe they haven't brought into question why they believe what they believe. You know, Mm -hmm. it allows you to, not sit in this state of anger and disgust for people who even are on the opposite end of this, like of what you believe in mm-hmm. for each individual issue and look at them from a position of love. That is a perfect place to wrap that up because like we just, <laughs> I love that, that perspective of even, I mean, during, during this time where everything feels like, this person hates me or I hate, I hate them because, and they said this, I'm unfollowing them. And you know, this political party or this spiritual leader or blah, blah, blah. Like we are at the base of it. The whole point, the whole point is to love. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And through this catalyst that we have, we have a greater propensity to be able to learn how to love people that are not like ourselves, learn how to love and have compassion for people who've been through different things than us learn and have compassion and understanding for people who have experiences that are diametrically opposed than us and give us space to be able to bring in unity duality there's nothing we can really do about duality because it exists simply because polarity exists however Mm -hmm. the whole process of this giant experiment i believe is that we are we are challenged to bring each other into unity in some kind of way if we can override our identity that we're having that we believe deep down is our foundation of us we we get rid of whatever that identity is and and come into a unity consciousness and say i am you and you are me so regardless of what i believe or what you believe at the at the core of it we are all part of the same hand so like 
I don't need to be against you in any kind of way. Like you're mm-hmm. just having a different fractal experience than I am having, which again, both of me and Alec can agree because we both uh, really identify with the law of one. And that might not be your primary, um, you know, spiritual text or anything, but it did. I think for myself, it gave me such a forgiving perspective for those who, who didn't think the way that I thought and gave me a lot more flexibility, even in my own exploration of spirituality and, and material like beliefs about like what I, how I believe about the world. It is all just this little video game that we're playing. <laughs> and exactly. and in that, in that player, I am this avatar and you are that avatar. And at the end of this, once we all die, it's like really not going to matter as much as the expansion of our souls and how much did we love? How much mm-hmm. did we try to seek to understand and connect and form a bridge then try to be against each other so i, love I think that. that's the only way forward for everyone outside of any political beliefs is is being able to seek to understand seek to understand that's that's wonderful well thank you so much i appreciate you being on the show can you please tell everybody um where to find you yeah so i'm on instagram at alec and that's a-l-e-c dot zek and that's z-e-c-k so alec dot zek on instagram uh if you want to give me a follow so booyah go follow him yeah. and check out his post he has a real like a lot of like i really think you're a brilliant person because i like the way you think um i would think that i like to think similar <laughs> i think you absolutely think similar which is why we get along so well <laughs> it's probably like an ego thing everyone should think like us everyone should think like us <laughs> <laughs> anyway well i'm so glad you guys thanks for listening to another episode make sure to give him a follow and like and subscribe so you never miss an episode share this episode with someone you love if you liked it and we will see you in the next one. Have a good one. Bye. Interested in becoming a client for energy coaching? Find me at www.thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do or hit me up on IG at thelovelyalia for daily content and inspiration.